Central Park Baptist Church. Good afternoon to you all. Glad to see you all again. If you're here this afternoon, you've probably made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm just, I'm just guessing. You've probably made a decision to follow Jesus. And so what we're going to do at this time, we're actually going to sing this song. Uh, sing him 470, him 470, I have decided to follow Jesus. Him 470, him 470, we'll do the first and last verses. I have decided to follow Jesus. Him 470. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to hang upon that tree to save a sinner like me. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for watching over us and caring for us. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. We thank you. So we ask you, Lord, this afternoon as we gather together to worship, Lord, that you will bless this time of fellowship that we have with you. Father, that we will leave here saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you once again, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 633, hymn 633, Jesus Loves Even Me. Jesus Loves Even Me. We'll do the first and last verses. Hymn 633, hymn 633. Sing along. I, I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love and the book he has given. There's only one 
welcome to our afternoon service. You may be seated. Wow, it's going quick. I'm glad that you're here today. If you're a first-time visitor at Central Park Baptist Church, we're awful glad that you're here. If the ushers, uh, our, our ushers are coming around right now, if you are a first-time visitor, you did not receive a visitor card, if you slip up your hand, our ushers will give you one right now. We're going to ask that you fill that card out. After the service in the foyer, I'll be behind the table or a desk, and I have a gift bag for you. And I'd love to exchange that visitor card for a gift bag. We'd love, that. We'd love the fact that you're here. We want to thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park Baptist Church this afternoon. Welcome. Let me give you some other announcements for uh, this week. Don't forget men's prayer breakfast Saturday morning at 8.30 in the morning. I want to invite all of our fellows to come out. You don't have to be a member of Central Park Baptist Church. It's a good time of food and fellowship. Amen. That's what Baptists do best, food and fellowship. <laughs> Amen. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We're going to have bacon and some eggs and then some more bacon. And after that, a few pancakes, but more bacon. And uh, I promise you, you'll enjoy yourself uh, with a prayer breakfast. Then we'll have a time of fellowship around the Word of God. Well, one of our men are going to come and give a devotion. And then after that, we're going to break up into groups and pray and ask God to, to bless our church and the work and the people of our church. Amen. You know, it, Preacher and I have talked about this in great detail over the years. Uh, Pastor and I, um, our church is a hurting church, but you wouldn't necessarily know that. You know why? We work through our hurt. We keep on doing the right thing, the right thing, and the right thing through the hurt, and God continues to bless. And then before you know it, we look back, and we don't even remember the hurt. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And the joy comes because we just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And one of the ways that we do that is by continuing to fellowship and to be around the Word of God and, and through prayer. And I believe that our church is a praying church. Then don't forget next Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, next Saturday afternoon, after soul winning at 9.30 in the morning, we're going to have a work day for men and women at 10.30 in the morning. And we've got a lot of things we've got to get ready for winter. Amen. I know that it's hard to believe that last week it was 90-some degrees, and this week it's minus 13, it feels like. Amen, this today. Uh, we got our jackets on. We got our hats on. I went to a, a funeral, uh, funeral yesterday, and at the graveside I had my, I, had, I call it my mafia hat on with my overcoat, trying to stay warm. It was cold. Amen. It was cold. And so um, uh, uh, it's just getting that kind of time. So we got some work we got to get done around the building in order to get everything ready for the winter time. And so if you'd come at 10.30 in the morning and help us work, we surely would appreciate that. Fellas, if you'll bring work clothes with you to the fellowship, uh, prayer breakfast, and then after soul winning, if you'd be, uh, do that, we surely would appreciate it. We got some major work we got to get done. And so all hands on deck, and we can get it done quickly. Amen? It'll be quickly. Then don't forget, next Sunday is uh, 23 and 23. 23 and 23, at 8.30 in the morning, we meet in the auditorium. We're looking for 23 people in the year 2023 to come pray with us the first Sunday morning of every month. And we've been doing really good at that. And uh, many, many people have come, and we've hit 23 on a number of occasions. And uh, we all pray together. Ladies oftentimes will sit in the middle or sit in the back or even sit in the front. And uh, though they may not pray out loud, that's okay. If you want to pray out loud, you can. If you don't want to pray out loud, you don't have to. Amen. Uh, if you don't want to pray uh, fast, that's okay. I pray slow. Brother DeVito always wants to find out how fast he can speak, before, see if they can be timed and as he prays. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and so uh, we, we, uh, we just have a good time in prayer asking God 
to bless our new month coming up, and this is the month of November. And the month of November is the month of Thanksgiving, amen? Yeah. This is the month we really want to give thanks to God for all he's done for us. We also want God to send more people, amen? And we had a good number of visitors this morning, amen? Yeah. And we have had a good number of visitors throughout the day, and God continues to bless. We want to see the church grow. We want to see new members come. We want to see people saved, people baptized. And doing the great commission that God has given us to do. And so that's what we meet for. We meet to pray for those things uh, at uh, 8.30 in the morning every first Sunday of the month. And that's this next Sunday on November 5th. And I want to invite you to come be a part of that. Also, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you come to the men's and ladies Bible study, that special Bible study on uh, once a month, it'll be this November 6th. It'll be at 6.45 in the evening. And uh, we want to encourage you to be a part of that as well. All of our Bible studies, all of our services, you do not have to be a member of Central Park Baptist Church to come. Right. We want everybody to be a part of it. We want everybody to feel comfortable. And so it's open to everyone. And we want to thank you for being here. Now we're going to pray for our offering, and uh, we'll take up our offering. We can't be good Baptists unless we ask for money. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to give to you. Thank you for trusting us throughout this week to give us an income and then a paycheck and then to give back to you what you so wondrously and kindly have given to us. I ask that you use that money, help us to continue to grow financially, to meet our bills, to be a blessing to others, to pay off our, our mortgage on the property, to pay our electric bills, which Thank you, Lord, that it's lowered this month than it has been. And for all the things that you do for us financially, because we give. Bless our missions giving, bless our tithes and offerings, and bless the other works that we give to, please. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now. upon your feet. We would love for you to join us in singing hymn 500, hymn 500, Who is on the Lord's Side. We'll sing the first and last verses of Who is on the Lord's Side, hymn 500.
because we're on the Lord's side, we can sound the battle cry, amen. Sound the battle cry, hymn 569, hymn 569. At the conclusion of this hymn, 569, please greet each other as we prepare for this afternoon special. Hymn 569, hymn 569, sound the battle cry, first and last verses, here we go. Oh, sound the battle cry, see the foes high, raise the
beautied there. And they tell me that my eyes shall behold where he sits on the throne that is whiter than snow. In that city that is made of gold, oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows all Sing it with me. Thank you, Malori. That's wonderful. I appreciate that very much. And I do look forward to that day. We all get to be with the Lord in heaven. You know, I was talking to somebody recently. This isn't a part of the message. This is just for free. won't charge you for this part. Um, um, heaven's going to be so different than what we expect. We got all these questions we have down here. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to ask the Lord about, by the time you get there, you're going to forget all about that. You're just going to be so overwhelmed with the glory and the splendor and the excitement of being in the presence of the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And you're going to, none of that stuff we thought about down here is going to be important. None of it. Amen. All the things we did down here, we're going to look, and they're all going to fade into nothing. And I like what the preacher said yesterday at your brother's uh, ceremony, that it, to, to God and those that are in glory, it's Time is like that, and suddenly you, you got there, and now your loved ones are right there with you. And though we wait, we pine. My parents have been gone for 32 or 3 years, uh, and um, I miss them. But to them, it hasn't even been a second. And I look forward to being with them in heaven with our great Savior. I'm kind of excited tonight to be able to preach. And nobody knows this. Preacher didn't know this. Only I know these kind of weird things. Uh, but today I will close out my 46th year of being a servant to the king. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll start my 47th. And I'm just thrilled that I get to close out my 46th year sharing the word of God with his people. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and open to Ephesians chapter number uh, 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 tonight. This is all very familiar scripture to us. Ephesians 6 is, and we're not going to preach on the armor of God, but we are going to preach about Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start reading by verse number 10 uh, and about, uh, about that. 
But we're going to come to something else. So if you found Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 10, if you'd stand in reverence and respect to, uh, of the Word of God once you have found it. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm sorry. I said 5. I'm dyslexic. I don't know if I'm coming or going. Amen. Is that the front door or the back door? You know, I don't know. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. If you didn't find it, just open anywhere. It's all good. Amen. Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to, uh, to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication under the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now I want you to go back to verse 13 just for a moment. This is our text verse for today. Take, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. I want to preach on the, this subject tonight. Having done all, stand. We live in a very evil day. Right is called wrong and wrong is called right. We live in a day where people say we came from a monkey. We came from, we have, if, you, if you cut off your ear, you'll find a fin back there. Uh, and that's tr not true. Uh, we are we're not part of the animal kingdom. We're not. I'm not a species. Yes, yes. To be a species, you have to be part of the animal kingdom. Yes. I've been created Amen. in the image and the likeness of the Almighty God Amen. Himself. We are created. Amen. So we're seeing a lot of odd things happen in our world today. Yes. I do believe we're seeing everything being prepared for one thing, and that's the return of Christ. Yes. But as I know that as we prepare for that day, it gets very hard, and it's going to be hard. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. So we better strap on our big boy clothes and belt and things and get ready for a battle. Because if you haven't faced one spiritually recently, you're going to. And then comes the world, because they're not going to let you go either. So I want to talk to you on this subject tonight. Having done all, stand. Father, thank you for the truth we're about to hear from your word, not opinion, not a view, your word. And I ask that you flow through me to your people, that we take this simple truth and make it applicable to our life. And as we go through life, whether it be at work or at school, or at home in our neighborhoods, with our relatives, with those all around us, that we would stand for you. 
So bless this time this afternoon, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Can you turn on the monitors a little bit higher for me, please, so I can hear me better? I don't know how loud I am, so I can get really loud and not know it, okay? So uh, life goes by amazingly fast. It just flies by. If anybody would have told me 46 years ago that I would have served the Lord for 46 years, I would have said, you're 46 years nuts is what you are. Uh, I wouldn't have believed it. Amen? I just wouldn't have believed it. I would have said, no, that's for somebody else. Now, if you said the Lord was chasing me for 46 years because I was causing all sorts of trouble and commotion, that I would believe, okay? But not to be his servant. But life goes by so fast I can remember those days at the beginning as if they were just yesterday. We graduate from high school, and it seems like adulthood starts with that graduation. We go on to college, then we get married, and we have children. Hopefully that's the order in which you have it, marriage, then children. Then before you know it, they start school, and it seems like as soon as your little one starts school, they're, they're suddenly in high school getting ready to graduate. Then they start to date and get engaged, and then you have to pay for their wedding, and you just finished paying off your wedding. <laughs> then, they have grand, then you have grandchildren and retired, and it all happened yesterday. It just flies by. At least that's how it feels. As we age, some people start to feel as they've done all they, they can do, and there's not much more left for them to do. Others feel that at different times in their life that what more can I do? I've accomplished everything that I know to do. I did what I set out to do. I accomplished that. I really don't have anything left, some people say. The older you get, the more you come to those kind of conclusions. I don't know what I'm here for anymore. If I disappeared, I don't know that people would care now. You think that as an older person. As we get older, we think our value is less. Once our kids graduate, I've heard many women, I've counseled many women, once their kids are graduated from high school, they say, I don't have anything left to do. What do you mean? You got your whole life ahead of you. Oh, but my kids are out of school. I don't know what to do with myself. Live. But that's hard to do because Everything you have invested in your kids is now ended. And it feels like that part of your life is over. And in some ways it is. I often think about sports players who have played a sport, I don't know, baseball, football, basketball or something. And they're 32 years old and now it's time for them to retire. <laughs> 32. And they don't know what to do next. They can't figure it out. There's a whole lot of high school graduates that don't know what to do with their life. I was one of them, amen? I still don't know what to do with my life. But no, I mean, um, uh, or a person is employed for a period of time with a company, then suddenly they find themselves unemployed. And then there's nothing left that's open for them in the field that they're in. And they say, I don't know what to do with myself. We live in a day of great uncertainty. What do I do? What happens if? 
What if what's going on in Israel today and what's going on in Ukraine today turned into World War III? What if? What if China suddenly invades the United States? What if? What if we get a president elected who can't stand up on his own two feet and every time he goes to give a speech he babbles and nobody understands what he says? What if that happens? What if America loses its financial founding and we flounder and we go bankrupt, which has happened in America before? Most folks don't realize that. Our country's never come out of bankruptcy. What if? What do I do? How does it all end? What do I do? I got one word for you. Ready? Stand. Having done all, stand. Stand. What do you mean by that? That means don't quit. Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't turn back. Don't feel like a failure. Stand. Listen, God has a purpose here or he takes you out. Stand. A number of years ago, I was talking to Pastor White, and we were talking about Pastor George White, his dad. And then he was like, I think 63 years old. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's got to be close to their 62, 63. He had retired from the ministry. And he can't stay retired because George White can't sit still for five minutes. I'm not sure what he's doing in heaven right now, but I know he's not standing still. Okay? And he suddenly starts a brand new church from scratch. And he stays there to the day the Lord calls him home at 92 years of age, 91. You know what he did? He stood. Well, I don't know what to do, preacher. Stand. Don't give up. Don't turn back. But you say, stand for what? Thank you for asking that. I'm going to give you 10 things you should stand for. Amen? 10 things. Number one, stand for the word of God. Stand for the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is the word of God. It's not the word of man. It doesn't contain the word of God. It is the very words of God. A couple weeks ago, a little water break there. A couple weeks ago, um, Millie's uh, daughter was here, and I was talking to Millie's daughter. She works for the Dallas Cowboys uh, organization. And I said to her, how many playbooks does the Dallas Cowboys have? She looked at me like, are you an idiot? And the answer is yes, I am. But she said, well, one. I said, why do they only have one? She said, well, because how could you run a team with more than one playbook? And I say, how many words of God are there? One. Stand for the one. Why? Because every time you go to a different book, you're changing the game plan and who can follow the game plan. Listen, you don't know what you have till you got it. Now that you got it, keep it and stand on the old-fashioned King James Word of God. Stand. Stand. Just stand. Read it. Love it. Embrace it. Make it a part of you. You become a part of it. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. It comes right here. Boop, put it on. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. Live in it. Walk in it. Talk it. Listen, all the stuff we talk about today, we'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about how the Dallas Cowboys are doing or how the Rangers were too lazy to win their game yesterday. 
hello, that's a world serious job there. And uh, we'll talk about those things, but how come we don't talk about the Word of God everywhere we go? Man, I can't shut up. Well, not just in preaching, but I mean, I can't shut up about the Word of God. And no matter where I go, I was, with a, uh, I was with one of my assistant pastors one time, and we went to a store, and we're talking to this man about some things we need at the church, and I said, well, praise the Lord, and he looked at me, and I said, man, that's a good price, glory to God, that's good, and he said, well, do you want it? I said, no, I don't, I, what I want to do is I want to go back and pray about it. I want to know what my Savior wants me to do. And so we leave, and my, my assistant pastor's sitting there, and he's quiet for a long time. And then he said, you are unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. Did I have a dress on? I don't know. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, no, you talk about Jesus. You said amen in public. You said praise God in public. I'm sorry, I didn't know that was only a church thing. I thought you're supposed to praise God everywhere you go and everything you do. Yeah. Glory to God. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Yeah. What's wrong with saying that when things are going in the right direction? What's wrong with saying, um, he said, I have never seen anybody get a, a fabulous price on something and go, I need to go pray about it. Shouldn't you have already prayed about it? I said, yeah, I prayed about what we should do. Now I need to pray about what the, what the answer really is. Maybe there's a better price out there. Right. He said, you really think that? I said, I don't know. I haven't prayed about it yet. Stand. Amen. Stand for the word of God. Stand for what God's word says. Stand for it. Let it be a part of you. Yeah. And everything you say and everything you do. Number two, I think this is really important. Stand for the next generation. Stand for the next generation. Do you know somebody's watching you? I wish I'd brought it with me. It just came to mind. There's a little poem I used to give out years ago on Father's Day. It said, walk a little slower, Daddy. Walk a little slower, Daddy. Your steps are awful long. Walk a little slower, Daddy. I want to step in this. It's something about it. I want to step in your, in your prints. Walk a little slower, Daddy. What you don't realize is there's somebody with smaller legs walking behind you watching everything you do, and wanting to be just like you. So walk a little slower, Daddy, so they can catch up to you. It's similar to it. That's not correct, but it's close. We need to stand for our next generation. Our children can't stand for themselves. And I'm sick and tired of living in a society that says, an eight-year-old can make sexual decisions for themselves. Are you an idiot in any other portion of your life? You say, Brother Marco, that's not a very nice thing to say in a pulpit. Well, and the world starts to talk some sense, maybe I'll talk some sense. But the truth is, are you a fool? Are you a fool in any... Listen, you won't let an 18-year-old buy a gun or smoke beer or drink beer or buy a pack of cigarettes, but you'll let an eight-year-old decide whether they should have surgery ruining their body the rest of their life. Where is your brain? Stand for that generation. Stand and make decisions for them. Mama, stand for them. Daddy, stand for them. Don't be afraid to stand up and say, but the word of God says. 
train up a child in the way he should go. I'm going to train up my child. You teacher, leave him alone. You government agency, leave him alone. You doctors, leave him alone. That's my child. God gave him to me. By the way, God did give him to you, and God expects you to stand for them. You say, well, I might go to jail. Well, maybe you need to go to jail. Maybe some parents need to go to jail to make such a big fuss about it that the government finally says, well, maybe they're not going to play along so easy. See, as long as you don't stand, they don't care. Man, there are so many things I'd love to say right now. But time just won't let me. But our, gener- our young generation needs us. Well, I'll just shake them out of school. Well, okay. But wait a minute. What about those kids that are trapped in that school? Who can't be yanked out? They're not your kids, so you don't care? I'm just saying that the young generation needs us to stand. See, the young generation don't know what men are anymore. That's true. That's true. I'm being honest with you. We need to stand for that generation. We need men to be men to show our young men how to be a man. My daddy used to say to me, son, be a man. And I'd look at him to say, what in the world are you talking about? Stand and be a man. A man doesn't talk that way. A man doesn't walk that way. A man doesn't behave that way. Oh, that's what you're talking about. A man opens a door for a lady. Hello? A man stands in the presence of a lady. Hello? We've forgotten all that kind of stuff. A man protects his wife and his children. A man stands up and plays a man even if he doesn't want to be the man at the moment. That's what a man does. And we haven't taught that to our kids. Somewhere that got lost. And now the men want to be girls. Hello. Well, I can't win any races because I'm a man against men, so I'm going to run against girls because I can beat them. Someone... Let me just take you out behind the church building for five minutes and let us have a conversation. You say, Brother Mark, you sound horrible. No, this whole society is horrible. And we need to stand and let the young men know this is a man. Being a woman in a dress and putting on a wig and acting feminine and being a man. Well, say, I'm confused about it. Well, give me ten minutes and you'll no longer be confused. God doesn't make mistakes. God created you like you are on purpose. He made you a man at the very moment you were conceived. Act like a man. Well, I don't you want to get in touch with my feminine side? Oh, my goodness. Hello? I don't have no feminine side, can you tell? We've made up a feminine side for our boys to be sissies. Do you want truth or don't you? And our generation of young people following behind us has no hope unless you stand for them. Having done all, stand. Okay, I've done everything I know to do. Well, good, stand. Plot yourself right there. Stand for them. Don't back up. Don't quit. Don't run away. Stand. Amen. 
I am not changing. I am not going away. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to say, well, that's what the word of God said. If it offends you, well, I'm sorry. No, sir. If it offends you, get right with God. I mean, it's pretty simple. We're afraid for this today. We're afraid to preach this way today. Well, everybody will leave the church. Well, then go. I'm sorry. I'm not the pastor, and I shouldn't say that, but I'm the associate pastor, and oh, well, see you later. If you're not going to stand, what are you doing? Where are you going? What are you living for? You have no purpose. Stand for something. Stand for the right things. Stand for the word of God. Stand for the next generation. How about this, number three? Stand for truth. I don't know if I get all ten in, but stand for truth. Stand for truth. Truth is truth. Let me give you a truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We didn't evolve. We're not millions of years old. Millions and billions and millions of years ago. Back in time. That's a lie. Straight out of hell. Given by the best liar there is, the devil himself. Are we not billions and billions and billions of years old? Well, that's what, that's what this test says. Well, who made the test? Who made that cobalt test? Did man make that cobalt test? Did, it make them, did they make it fit them? Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, God did this. God created us. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, that's truth. That's true. That's right. Come on. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. truth. Yeah. See, Jesus is truth. Everybody wants you to believe that Jesus is wrong. Jesus felt just like you, so you should be a woman because you was born a man. That is a false lie straight out of hell. Yeah. You see that on commercials all over the place today. On NFL football games, at the at the Super at World Series games, I seen them. A lot of people don't even catch that's what they had talking about. Oh, they say, oh, that's a sweet thing about Jesus. Jesus gets it. No, you need to get Jesus, not Jesus get you. That's the truth. The truth is that Jesus saves, saves from hell, saves for eternity, and we need to get that message out to everybody we can. And that's the truth. Yes, 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 yes. Truth is God never changes. God's immortal, invisible, all-powerful. There, there's nothing God cannot do. And he's immutable, too. That means you can't shut him up. Those in our Sunday school class will catch that. Sorry. That's not what it means, but I thought it was a great comment. All I'm trying to say today, ladies and gentlemen, is we need to stand for the truth. Simple. The world doesn't want the truth. Anything the world gets mad about, probably truth. See, we live in a day-to-day where right is wrong and wrong is right. And they want you and I to feel like we're fifth wheels. So we'll shut up. But I say, grease that fifth wheel and come on, buddy. Because I'm going to stand for truth. And I might squeak and squeal and scream and holler. And I may be called old-fashioned, an old funny duddy, a Bible thumper. Woohoo! I'll take it all. Amen. Come on, preach. Right. If they hated Jesus, like I said this morning, right. they're going to hate us too. Right. Amen. Stand for truth. Number th- four, stand for moral character. Yeah. 
stand for moral character. What do you mean by that? Stand against pornography. Hello? Stand for marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime. Make it work. You say, well, you know, my wife and I aren't getting along right now. Well, just decide you're going to get along. I've been married 43 years. There have been times, we've never talked about divorce. Murder a couple times. But not, never, we don't talk about divorce. Well, there is no divorce. So, you know, you're going to just make it through. You're just going to do whatever it takes to keep that more right. Just going to make it through. I'm going to do the right thing, period. And by the way, it is a teamwork. That's why both man and woman should be in church together. Every service, every time the doors are open. Why? Because that puts them underneath Jesus Christ, and he must be the center of that marriage. You can't have a great marriage unless Jesus is the center of that marriage. Stand for moral truth. Stand against lying. Hello? Stand against cheating. Well, if it gets me just a little further, no, it's immoral. Stop it. The list can go on and on and on. In all of these areas, we're violating. Even churches are violating them. God says, preach the truth. And we go, well, okay, but I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt anybody's feelings, so I'm not going to say nothing about sin. And everybody likes rock music, so I'm going to bring it into the church. We're going to put blue lights in the back here, and we're going to put a little stew here, and we're going to get rid of that old pulpit. Hello? And if we have one, it'll just be a clear little thing that everybody can see through because we don't have anything to stand on anyway. Because we threw it all out. Hello? The truth is we need to stand for moral character in the church. That which is right. I pray the Lord we'll never have any of that rock music in this building. And the first Sunday that we have it, that God burns it down that same night. It gets struck by lightning, this building disappears, and then I can say, nana, 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 you shouldn't have done that. They say, Brother Marco, you're so childish. I'd rather be childlike than worldly-like. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to stand for moral character. Number five, we need to stand for the church. The church. You know what Jesus died for? The church. That's right, that's right. You're the church. That's right. Jesus gave himself for, for you and me in a church, not just as individuals, but as a church body. Mm-hmm. We need to stand for his church. Mm-hmm. This is not your church. This is not my church. Mm-hmm. This is not Mrs. White's church because mm-hmm. she's Pastor White's wife, just so that you know. In case anybody was wondering, it's not his, it's not his sister. And uh, no offense, he doesn't even like his sister. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's not Pastor White's church. It's Jesus' church. Amen. See, all we are is temporary caretakers. They hand it to the next generation. Thank the Lord the previous generation was faithful enough to give us something. And now we must guard God's church, care for his church, Nourish his church, love his church, 
stand for his church so we give something of value to the next generation. These blue light rock singing uh, uh, cockamamie churches that go around preaching feel good sermons who never let you cry because you never get your heart broke over your sin. You say, Brother Marco, that's why I only preach once in a while. Takes preacher months to get you back to where you need to be. The truth is, is that we've got to stand for his church. It's his church. It's Jesus' church. And every time you miss a service, you're missing Jesus' church. You're not missing a, a gathering in a building. Someone said to me once recently, well, two or three are gathered. You have got that thing so out of context, and you got the Catholic definition here. It's not about where two or three are gathered in my name. What he's saying is that there's power there, and I'll answer your prayer. It's not anything about church. It never has been about church. The church is not in some invisible, uh, universal thing that no one can see, feel, or touch. I can touch you. You're the church. You're the church. We're the church. We're not invisible. I tried walking through a wall one time. It hurt. Because I'm not invisible. The truth is, is that we need to stand for God's church. We need to stand for the principles of God's church. We need to stand for the leadership that God has given us in the church. Leadership goes like this. Are you ready? Jesus, pastor, people. I'm an associate pastor. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. You know why? It's Jesus, pastor. Pastor makes the decisions as Jesus leads him. I don't make no decisions. I, I ask God to lead me in everything, but it's not my job. I am not the one who has to stand before Jesus Christ and answer for everything that transpired at Central Park Baptist Church. But Pastor White is. So I'm going to stand for the church and I'm going to say, Pastor, what would you like me to do? Pastor, what would you like me to go? Pastor, what do you want me? How do you want me to handle this? Hello? It's not your decision to make. It's God's decision to make with his pastor. Brother Yule's a deacon. You know what that means? Nothing. It doesn't. You have no power. None. You know what your job is? To do whatever the preacher wants you to do. It doesn't say Jesus, deacon board, pastor. That's unbiblical. It's Jesus, the pastor, and the people. The people have the real power. You're the one that vote on things. Even the pastor can't do what you vote against. But his job is to lead you. As a shepherd would lead sheep. You know what that means? You better stink like the sheep. Or else get out of God's way. I mean that. The pastor needs to spend time with God's people because God's people is the church, not this building. Not the things in the building. Now, yes, we need to take care of these things. These are God's possessions. 
and we need to take care of them as Jesus would have us take care of them. But the truth is, is you don't have no power. You're just a deacon. You know what that means? Nothing. Nothing. That means sometimes the preacher will come to you and say, what do you think about this? And you'll say, well, preacher, I'm not sure, blah, blah, blah. And then the preacher might say, let's pray about it together. That's two or three are gathered in my name. That's what that's talking about. Yep, yep, that's good. You know what? There are churches all over America that are run by a bunch of trustees who are the most ungodliest people in the church. They think they got power over everything, and they think they've got control over the property, and they think they got... You don't have control over spit, just to be nice about it. You know why? The power is with Jesus Christ, and then it goes down to his pastor. You may be somebody that the pastor looks to to help him, but that's it. You're helping him. See, as an associate pastor, I'm a part of a pie. The pie is called the pastor, and then he gives me some of his responsibility... And I answered to him for that little bit of sliver of responsibility he gives me. Then he answers to God for the whole pie. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And we got that messed up somewhere. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we think deacons run the church. Right. We think a church board runs the church. We think everybody runs their own ministry. I'm sorry. There is no ministry outside of Central Park Baptist Church. Period. You can't have a ministry if you take away the mama. You can't have the children. We also go around America and around the world trying to start churches by men. Men can't start a church. You're a man. You know what you produce? Children. You know what your children are? People. A church has to produce a church. That's biblical. I'm just saying we need to stand for the church. Next, we need to stand for winning the lost to Christ, number six. We need to stand for winning the lost to Christ. There's something happening in independent fundamental Baptist churches and churches all across America. They're turning back to what's called uh, reform theology. Reform theologies are now being taught in all sorts of independent Baptist colleges. Reform theology came from Presbyterians and the Methodists because they were reforming their mother. The Catholic Church. I'm not a Catholic. You're not a Catholic. Baptists didn't come from Catholics. Baptists didn't come from Methodists or Presbyterian. Their doctrine is tainted by their connection to the Catholic Church. That's why they have a hierarchy like the Catholic Church has. I just told you our hierarchy. Our, past, our people vote in a pastor underneath the authority and the leadership of Jesus Christ, and he answers to Jesus, and Jesus comes back to him. That's the hierarchy. But see, the Catholic Church affects Reformed theology, and they never fully leave the doctrines of the Catholic Church, and the doctrines of the Catholic Church on salvation is baptism and works. Eat some host. I don't mean hostess ding-dongs either. I'm talking about what they call the body of Christ. You can be dead and in hell already. And a priest will come to your dead body and put a wafer in your mouth and say, okay, now they're saved and going to heaven because they died with the body of Christ in them. That is a heathenistic, wicked doctrine. 
And it's taking place all over. There's another doctrine that goes along with it. It was written by Calvin. And it's called Calvinism. It says that you can't resist salvation. That you're predestined. Predestination in the word of God does not mean what Reformed theologians say that it means. They say God picks out people. Let's see. (laughs) I'll pick you. I'll pick you. No, I ain't getting you. Uh Uh-uh. I'll pick you, but he's too old. I don't think I'm going to pick either one of you guys. I'll pick you, and I'll pick you, and I'll pick you, and I'll pick you, I'll pick you. Ah, forget the rest of you on this side. You all can go to hell. These people I just picked are going to go to heaven. That is not how it works. That is not biblical. But that is Calvinism. You don't need to go soul winning because God's already chosen who's going to go to heaven at the, before the foundations of the world were. You know, we talk about the name being blotted out of the word of God. Have you ever seen that in the Bible where he blots out the names? You know what that means? Everybody's name was written there from the very beginning because he intended for everyone to be saved. And what happens is your name gets blotted out because you never would receive Jesus Christ as Savior and you can't go now. Because your name was blotted out of the book, you rejected Jesus Christ. That's what that really means. That is not what they would have you to believe that it means. They believe it means God chose every, these specific people and only these people are going to go to heaven. I'm sorry, but that, ver- that absolutely destroys the word of God. Because Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever means anybody. Not only does it mean just about anybody, what that also means is that, uh, that Jesus will save everyone. Yeah. Everyone who calls upon that name would be saved. Right. See, Jesus said, I've died for all the world. Okay. Well, how could that be if it's only this chosen few? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so irresistible, this irresistible grace, is that even if you don't want to get saved, you're going to get saved anyway. That is not true. If you don't want to be saved, you want to burn in hell, you go right ahead. It's your choice. It really has been your choice. It's always been your choice. But ladies and gentlemen, this is starting to change in fundamental Baptist churches. And we need to stand for old-fashioned winning the loss to Christ, stand against these doctrines. We need to stand for the truth. All of these things violate the Word of God. But if you don't know what the Word of God says because you never read it, then you don't know. You just believe that preacher that gets up there and proclaims it to you. Don't believe me. I don't know how many times I've said that in the nine years I've been here. Don't believe anything I say. Read it in the book. If it isn't in the book, don't believe it. Number... Seven, and that's all I got time for. Stand for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Stand for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. And it's soon. We see it shaping up all around us. There's an amazing things that are going on. If you don't, if you do not pay attention to the national news, the three bigs, ABC, NBC, CBS, and now the fourth little one, Little beast, Fox. You're never going to get the truth there. Unfortunately, we believed them for decades, for generations. I remember my grandpa and grandma turning on Huntley and Brinkley. Anybody who's not old, if you're old, you understood what I just said. Everybody else is going, who? 
Who, who got, who went, who got, he got, he went hunting and he got sprinkled? No, Huntley and Brinkley, they were the news. You could trust what they said. You could, and we did. And then over time, it became a false trust, and they abused their, their position, and you can't trust them today. I'm sorry to say that. I don't want to say that, but I got to tell you the truth. So it's hard to find out truly what's going on in the world today. You would think that Israel was a wicked nation if you listen to the news today because they had no right to defend their country because they stole that country from the Palestinians. Oh, no, 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 no. I read your Bible. God gave it to them a long time ago. And the only reason they got problems is because they didn't kill everybody that was possessing the land at the time. Now they keep coming back and haunting them because they were disobedient. And that's exactly what's happening in the Middle East today. And when you butcher children, cut off their heads. I heard a guy say that he had, a coroner said, yes, I said that their heads were cut off. But maybe what I really should say is we found babies that were headless and we're not sure how that happened. Oh, I know, your baby's head just fell off. Well, that don't make no sense. But he got on to big three and four and said that. And people believed it. They were butchered. They butchered the Israelites. Unlike we have seen since World War II, they raped them, they murdered them, they burned them alive. Mothers holding their baby so close that when they finally found the ashes of the body, the only part of the body on the baby and the only part of the mother on the, uh, was where the baby and the mother were holding each other so tight, the fire couldn't get to them. Burned them alive. You say, well, preacher, Brother Marco, you shouldn't say that stuff. It offends people. Well, I'm sorry, they did that stuff. Hamas is evil. I'll say that again just so that everybody in the whole world can hear me. Hamas is evil. They're full of Satan. They're being led by a big Satan called Iran. Hello, who hate Israel, who chant all the time, kill all the Israelites. You wouldn't hear that on the news because we think it's okay. But wait a minute, all this is a part. You say, why are you talking about all this for? Because all of it's setting up the return of Jesus Christ. And if you'll actually find news that will tell you the truth, you're going to find out things are going on in Israel that you never thought would happen. And we're seeing things that literally point to the very return of Jesus Christ happening in the Middle East today. It is absolutely amazing when you start to find out the truth that's going on. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming. And the Israelites are his people, and they're not going to lose. You know why? Jesus is going to fight for them. They're his people. God is not going to let them lose. Oh, they may suffer. There may be a lot of, uh, of people die that we wish wouldn't die, but that's war. But since when has God ever turned his back on Israel during war? You go through the whole Old Testament. Every time they get in the war and they go to God, God gives them victory. Doesn't mean people don't die in the war. 
Usually God slaughters, you know, I don't know, 250,000. Read it. You'll see it. Oh, God's not a very good God. No, he's just setting everything up for his return. And that's what we don't realize. That's what's actually happening in America as well. Do you know we have to get out of God's way in America for Jesus to come back? We don't rule. Russia just said, the new world order will not include, Russia and China made an announcement last week, the new world order will not include the United States of America. They're right. Because for the beast and the Antichrist to come up, we got to get out of the way. I don't know what's going to happen in our country. But I know this, we need to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means live like Jesus is coming back today. Live like he's going to come back tonight. As you go through your day, do everything in your possible for the word of God to go through you to other people because you don't have any time left. If you knew, Jesus said, if you knew the time and the hour in which the thief was going to come in and break in and steal, you would have been there and stopped them. But Jesus said that you can see that preparation now and you should be ready to stop them without having to know that time that they're coming. That's what the word of God teaches us. And we need to be prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ. That means live like tomorrow will be your last day before the trumpet sounds. And that does not mean charge up everything you can on your charge cards because praise the Lord, I ain't going to have to pay it. No, that's not what it means. That means live your life in such a fashion, in such a way, that if Jesus called you home right now, you wouldn't be embarrassed. You wouldn't have to say, well, if you just gave me one more day, Live your life in preparation for it to happen right now because, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening all around us. And I'm not the only preacher that says that. In fact, I'm not the only person who says that. There's many people who see that all around them that aren't even preachers because they see the truth. So stand. What can I do? Stand, stand for the word of God, stand for the next generation, stand for truth, stand for moral character, stand for the church, stand for winning the loss, and stand for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to stand? We have to. People are depending on us. Father, thank you for the simple truth. Thank you for the way you love us. I ask that you